Hello, listeners. I'm so grateful you are joining us today as we explore another popular saying that is biblically unsound. But first, I want to tell you about a mini-series I am planning for the holiday season, and I need your help. For November and December, I am going to focus on some holiday sayings and even some songs that have no foundation in scripture. But I want to hear what you want to talk about the most. So find my page on Facebook at Shara Donahue. It's also in the notes of the podcast if you need a link and send me a message with the sayings you would love to discuss. I can't wait to hear from you. Now, before the holidays shower us with joy and merriment, let's discuss today's saying, which comes to us from the 1970s hit movie, The Love Story which was based off a novel by the same name by Eric Segal. That's right. Today, we are discussing the saying, love means never having to say you're sorry. If you are unfamiliar with this, in my opinion, mediocre movie that became a classic, I'll give you a brief synopsis, but honestly, I think the only reason it is sometimes considered a classic is because this line became so iconic. There is power in an emotionally moving sentence. Anyway, love story is the tale of Jenny and Oliver, their passionate love, Oliver's family's rejection of Jenny, pulling from that star-crossed lover's trope, the two getting married anyway, and ultimately the death of Jenny at the age of 25. This line is first spoken after Oliver is frantically looking through the halls of Radcliffe College, and when he can't find Jenny, he heads home and finds her crying on the steps. Oliver apologizes for his anger, to which she hastily breathes out in response to his apology. Don't. Love means never having to say you're sorry. The line comes again later on in the movie, but this time it's spoken by Oliver when his father apologizes about the way they treated Jenny and the news of her death. Now, pretty quickly, people are like, wait a second. Groovy History reported that just two years after Love Story's release, Ryan O'Neill, who played Oliver in Love Story, co-starred with Barbara Streisand in a comedy called What's Up, Doc? And Streisand says the line, love means never having to say you're sorry, to which O'Neill shoots back. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Now, it's not the dumbest thing I have ever heard, but it is an unwise saying. It's foolish to believe that love means never having to say you're sorry. In fact, I believe it is those we love most that we should be most ready to apologize to. Romantic relationships, platonic relationships, and absolutely in our relationship with God. But I think the main draw here is that love is an abstract noun that leaves room for interpretation, and people like attempting to define the mysterious and abstract, and this statement offers a definition. What would you say if someone asked you to finish the sentence, love means fill in the blank? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Humanity has been asking, what is love throughout the generations? In 8th century BC, Homer was asking questions about love in the Odyssey. Jane Austen led us through now classic love stories in the 18th century. And let's not forget what Hathaway asked in his 1993 Euro pop hit, What is Love? He said, What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Are you already bobbing your head sideways? If you know that song, I'm sorry if it gets stuck in your head for the rest of the day. That was not my intention. But it sounds to me like someone probably needed to apologize to Hathaway. But there is this romantic idea that couples can define what love is in the midst of their relationship. Again, songs speak to this. Foreigner's 1984 power ballad pleaded, I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. I tried very hard not to belt that out for you, but it is obvious we are drawn to the question of what love is. I think that behind this meaningful and heartfelt question is an even more critical one. Who gets to define love? Because this podcast is The Bible Never Said That, you should be able to guess who gets to define love. Yes, of course. The God who says he is love gets to define love, and the Bible offers a couple of definitions. So let's look at two inspired by the Holy Spirit in the first century. No doubt, we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We see very clearly here that love is important, and we reach a definition in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, but we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. There is so much in our life that is ephemeral or temporary. But love, love when it finds its source in God, is eternal. And here in the scriptures, we see faucets of what love is. But for our discussion today, let's zoom in on what love does not rejoice at. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. When we confess wrongdoing, we bring the ways we have lived contrary to the ways of God into the light. And then we move forward in the truth towards true life that is found only in the ways of God. Confession and repentance help lead us back into truth. And though love bears all things, that does not mean love allows falsehood, arrogance, and resentment to exist with it, without correction or apology. We just read, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends in John 15, 13. When we apologize to one another, we lay down our lives in a sense. We choose someone else over ourselves and our ways. We come in humility. And as James 5, 16 says, we confess our sins to one another. There is not a scripture that says, say sorry, in the Bible, but we are told over and over to confess and repent, which is the essence of a true, right, and godly apology. Dustin Crow says that confession wipes away the relational junk between us and God. It restores us by eliminating what gets in the way, shame, guilt, and fear. We don't often emphasize confession, but when we realize how sinful we are, We grasp what a necessity confession must be. Confession wipes away the relational junk between us and God. Confession goes hand in hand with repentance. Repentance is a change of mind resulting in a change of direction. In scripture, it's when someone either at conversion or as part of the Christian life turns from sin and to God. Notice repentance is not only turning from something It's returning to someone. In order to grow in a relationship with others, we need to turn toward them. This is true in our relationships with other broken humans and with God. To see each other rightly, to love each other well, we confess and we repent because that cleans the relational junk away. Those moments where we want to turn our backs on others are the moments we need to readily draw on quick forgiveness or honest confession. Whether we are the wronged or the ones who did the wrongdoing, we need to figure out how to turn back towards those we love. When you reflect on your relationships in this light, how would you metaphorically say you are positioned? 
towards your lifelong friend? Are you facing toward them or is your back to them? How about toward your neighbor, your coworker, your parent, your spouse? How about toward God? If you envisioned your physical stance as an indicator of where you are with the Lord who loves you, what would your body language communicate? Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount that our relational struggles not only disrupt our unity with each other, but also with God. Matthew 5, 22-24 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. When we seek to love others, we confess and repent. And when we seek to love God, we should express sorrow over our sin. In Psalm thirty-eight, eighteen, David says, I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. And Jesus says in Luke 17, 3-4, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. We must repent and we must forgive if we desire to be those who love. Because sometimes love means saying you're sorry and living in a way that demonstrates it. But the ultimate definition of love is found in the only one who need not confess because he is perfect. He is the one who is love. As 1 John 4, 4 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And we'll close with some words from John Mark McMillan as he reflected on the love of God and his song, How He Loves Us. We are his portion and he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Yeah, he loves us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, help us not to be afraid to apologize to one another out of love, to confess and repent as needed, to forgive those who repent and to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. For you told us this is love. Lord, Each day of our lives, show us how to love better, love more, 
and love like you do. You have done it perfectly, and we love you. Empower us to be more like you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. It's so good to be loved. Thank you for joining me today. The resources, songs, and articles referred to in this episode can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. If you have reviewed the show, thank you for helping us tell the algorithms to recommend us. And until next time, may you seek the abundant life that Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.